Wine Monk Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Welcome to the Magical Mystical Sake Podcast. I'm here with the Gardener household. Uh, some friends were kind enough to take me and my all of my craziness as a magical booze fairy, mostly because it was a magical booze fairy, for Christmas. And because I'm Orthodox, I had two Christmases this year, fake Christmas and real Christmas. <laughs> this was real Christmas. <laughs> so this is a, a different podcast because we're actually doing the uh, sake uh, from Arizona Sake from uh, Holbrook. And I sent you the article all about it. Um, I don't know that much about sake, and Sophia, on the other hand, knows a lot about sake, so I'm going to let her tell me what the heck I'm doing. So, with the first caveat that I am not a wine expert, I just like to drink, and I really appreciate sake, my first impression is that it has a very good smell. Now, this is labeled a Junmai Junjo sake, which means it can be served cold or warm. It is January, during a cold front, in a leaky house, so I'm going to drink it warm in a few minutes, but we'll start with a sip of it cold. I pour just enough into the bottom of the cup to drain it. Traditionally, if you drain your cup, it will be refilled promptly, but as I'm still waiting for my water to boil so I can warm my sake properly, not in the microwave like a heathen, we're going to go ahead and hold off on the refill. Okay. Now, you were saying that it was rude to pour directly from the bottle of sake into the sake cup. Always pour into a pitcher first. It looks prettier. Everything in Japanese culture is about making it look pretty. If you can't do it properly, don't do it at all. Okay, so that's a flashback to advice from my grandfather. Sort of. If you can't do something right, don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Now, he's making this in Holbrook, which is um, out in the middle of nowhere. It's by the Petrified Forest. I don't know if you guys know Arizona geography at all. Not very well. Uh, about an hour and a half east of Flagstaff. Um, it's actually one of the drier parts of Arizona, and it's also high elevation. Uh, chili formation, Petrified Forest. So, you know, walking on dinosaurs and phytosaurs. Um, which is irrelevant here, obviously. Anyway, um, so my understanding is this gentleman, um, and he, I will happily take corrections from him if he hears this uh, in the notes uh, in the final post, or after this is posted, I should say. Uh, so I guess he was originally planning, he studied in, in Japan, at like one of the most famous like sake academies or something of that ilk. And his plan was to actually do sake making in the Pacific Northwest. Well, and um, That is wet enough for sake traditionally. Yes, I know what little I know about sake is about fermentation. And I know the fermentation is different from wine because it involves like two, almost like uh, two different forms of rice. One provides the fermentable starches and the other is the starter or something of that sort. Yes. One acts like the yeast and one acts more like the grapes, if you will. So you get one that's for flavor and one that's for proper fermentation. And it's about getting the right balance between the two. Otherwise, you wind up with really terrible sake. So anyway, this is good to know. And this may tangent into what I'm mentioning next. 
so those plans for the Pacific Northwest fell through, um, but his wife had family in Holbrook. So they ended up going to Holbrook. And because there's not all of the mold and all that stuff that's in a wet environment, he discovered that it kind of produces a purer flavor. I see what he's getting at. focuses more exclusively on the fermentables rather than the aging and all of that stuff that can seep in through aging. Like it tastes mold much and... clearer, much clearer than I'm used to. Um, if you like spirits, this has slightly more in common with a vodka than a beer. Traditionally, sake has more in common with beer. It has kind of a yeasty feel to it, a cloudy feel to it. This is much clearer than I anticipated. It's a nice blend. Uh, that noise in the background is my kettle starting to go. Do not warm sake in the microwave. You'll get little tutorials that tell you to do that. That is a terrible idea. Why is that a terrible idea? Because you're going to mess with the flavors and heat it unevenly. Okay. The best way to heat it is to set your sake pitcher in a bowl and then tilt it slightly to the side, holding it. And you're going to pour boiling water down the sides of your pitcher while you slowly twirl it. This is going to heat it evenly. So you don't even put the sake in the pitcher at this point? The sake's in the pitcher. I filled it about half full because there's only three of us, and I do have to function tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Details. And I'm going to swirl my pitcher a few times. You only want to heat sake up to about body temperature, maybe a little below. Um, you're not supposed to drink it hot. It's mostly not to drink it cold, because who wants to drink something really cold when you're already cold? I says she asks the man who goes for a uh, frappuccino in mid-December. I'm going to test how warm my sake is by pouring a teeny bit on my wrist. This is not the most common form of doing it, but I know. It's still a little cool, so I'm going to go back to swirling it in here. What is the traditional way of determining a sake temperature? I would normally put my hand across the top of the bottle and feel how much steam was escaping, but okay. I have a very bad sense of that, and um. I always have. So I tend to pour a little bit onto my wrist, which my father said is acceptable, but quite provocative. So I should probably point out that it's a good thing my husband's in the room while I'm doing this with another man. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, so this is almost body temperature now in that I don't feel a cold start when I pour it onto my wrist. Okay. So now I can pour. May I pour for you? Oh, hold on. I need to... I didn't realize you weren't finished. I'm sorry. No, I was savoring, because I'm a nerd. That's fine. Which is why we're doing this podcast, to be fair. There you are. Domo, right? Domos, thank you, right? Nomo arigato. Nomo arigato. Yes. Okay. And warming it changes the taste significantly. You get a much lower feel from it. I'm getting now, as it's warmed to body temperature, or almost body temperature anyway, uh, this sort of yeasty character, but it's also like a, a sour fruit, almost. Yes. yes, this is very fruity, especially for sake. It's very nice. I like it. Very different. Very different. Traditional sake, again, has that cloudy feel. And this still doesn't even when warmed. Warming a sake usually produces more of that sort of cloudy taste, which is very comforting. This still has that comforting feel, Harsh. but... Oh, it's still actually fairly chilled. 
resist. This is warm for sake. Okay. That sort of it should be slightly cool. You don't want to have it hot. Okay. That's why you pour boiling water across the outside instead of popping it in the microwave. So, so if someone serves me uh I say a Japanese restaurant hot sake, what does that mean, if anything? And that is... the person who's running it doesn't know how to serve sake. <laughs> okay. So would um, you potentially do that to hide flaws in... You can easily do that to hide flaws. And you can, if you're mass producing, if you're serving a whole bunch of people, then serving it hot is okay. You really want to warm it only to body temperature. Just below is okay, which is where we have it now. My house is chilly, so it can be hard to get it all the way up to body temp, warming it properly. Um, but you don't want to go too much higher than body temperature. Scald your tongue, because then you can't taste. And I'm getting also this really nice nutty character, too. It reminds me of, like, roasted pine nuts or roasted pecans. Sort of a, a buttery, crunchy, nutty character. I have synesthesia, which means that my sensory system does not talk properly to each other. So, I taste in sound. So, what sound is the sake? This sake is a boy's chorus. So, have you ever heard... The Vienna Choir Boys or those little boy choruses where very complex, but they're all within the same note range. So, so like the creepy intro to that one Doctor Who episode where Ten dies? Yes, I can see that. Okay. Very similar. So we're getting a very, I'm getting a very Vienna Boys Choir feel from it, which doesn't mean anything to anyone who isn't me. Yeah. But um, it's something I've noticed. I think I may have a mild form of synesthesia because I can understand when people <coughs> say these things that it resonates in my head and uh, wrong time wine reviewers know that I am prone to uh, comparing wine to people and the first image of the first person that kind of pops into my head. So who would you call this sake? Reminds me of one of my first crushes actually. Uh, her name was Ashley. It was eighth grade. She was the first girl I ever asked out. So I didn't know that let's just be friends didn't actually mean let's be friends. Ah. <laughs> well, hopefully the sake leaves you with a better impression. Oh, yeah, obviously. I like it much better. But <laughs> for some reason, her her face is the first thing that pops into my head. And sometimes it is someone I know. Other times it's not someone I know. And it's just like an, almost like an archetypal person. It's, it's a, a weird, interesting thing, but when you describe wine as music, or different flavor notes as, as musical, I can understand what you're getting at. And I can be like, oh yes, that makes a lot of sense. Like when the way you describe the Malvasia, or um, the um, uh, Salvatore Merlot that I brought for Vladika last night, and how you said it was like the opening part of the Cherubic Hymn that was at church that day, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. It was a lovely deep sound, but this, this is high and clear, but complicated. It's, it's not, it's not a woman soprano. There's no vibrato in it. It's a little boy soprano. It's very clear, very pristine. And I think that comes from this very dry sake making technique, which is fascinating because honestly, when you told me you were going to bring me sake from Arizona, Arizona is the driest place I know of almost. And I laughed. Because I thought it was going to be terrible. And admittedly, I, I had that worry when I first heard about this. I was like, sake in Arizona, what? And then, you know, when I read the article that I sent you, 
um, which I will probably attach to uh, the liner notes for this post uh, on WordPress. Um, it makes sense because, you know, it's you're getting just the flavors from the fermentation and the rice that are used rather than, you know, hundreds of years of moss and mold and other things that probably are as indicative to sake nerds about Tawar as these notes are for wine. You know, when I pick out uh, a Wilcox Red and get that archetypical note of dust coming from the fields there, um, there's probably similar notes in other sakes that resonate with people who know this. Um, I can definitely tell a good sake from a poor sake based on how those notes taste. But I'm betting that there are people it. out there that can taste a sake blind and be like, oh, this is by Brewer Blah 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 from X Prefecture and Yes, my dad, could, my dad could do that. He's no longer with us, but he could do that. And uh, as a young, impressionable child, I took this to mean that some sake was good and some sake was to swear at in Japanese. So... This is good sake. I would not swear at it in Japanese or other Would languages. he, though? I think my dad would be startled by how much of a sipping sake it is. Some sake is easier to just drink. This sake is very obviously for sipping. Very obviously. It's too sharp, too clear to go down all at once. Which I think, again, is something that he said. And I cannot yes. remember the name of this gentleman. And I'm so sorry because uh, he will probably hear this at some point and be like, Well, I don't know my name. Um, I mean, I guess I could pick up the phone and look, but then the sound would get wibbly-wobbly. Um, I'm not finding his name on the bottle. Uh, he should do that. Yes, because I would love to t say nice things about him, because his sake is very nice. I'm going to set this down and see if I can load it up. Do I have it on as one of my 58 tabs? I might. No, but I'm betting it's one of my recent tabs. What was that Christmas song you all were singing repeatedly last night? Something of the East? Star in the East. Yeah, I had never heard that before. It's a shape note song, and shape notes are from, um, hey Peter, where are shape notes from? Originally New England, originally they were from New England, um, around the time of the revolution, they became very unpopular with the New England clergy because people were getting too enthusiastic. That sounds like the Puritans. But right around, well it's both Puritans, uh, right around that time, it was starting to catch on in the South, in the Appalachians in particular, where the New England clergy don't like it was actually a vote in its favor. And it was um, with a vigorous tradition in the South up until around World War II when people started moving out. Uh, the increased mobility after World War II, it started to die out in the South. But just as it was starting to die out, it got picked up by folklore enthusiasts. And huh. then, it's, ever since then, it's been kept alive by a few towns of the South that still do it, and a whole bunch of folklore enthusiasts all over the world, actually. Kind of like Morris dancing, then. Yes. In many ways. Uh -huh. So, I'm butchering the pronunciation, because Japanese is not my thing. Atsuo Sakurai? Pretty good. Good job. 
So anyway, he's a master brewer of the third of, of the first grade. Um, I, I found the article from uh, the uh, Arizona Tribune, or maybe it's the whole book Tribune. But anyway, uh, I'm quoting from him in the article here. In Japan, it is quite humid and there's a lot of fungus that grows. It's very difficult to clean, and so the odor is always present and becomes part of the flavor of sake uh, that is brewed after. Um, so the dry air climate here, it has a pure flavor, uh, and none of those uh, fungi mold aromas because there's not, a, not any there. It's not wet enough. Now, that being said, as he does this over and over time, that might affect the humidity of where he's making it, and maybe there will be some. Uh, fungi and, and such that grow, but... It would be interesting to see if in 10 or 15 years it has a distinctly different flavor. Yeah. But uh, how much does the rice that's used affect the flavor, or does it at all? Considerably. The same way that you wouldn't use a grape you would want for raisins for wine. Or, you know, a good grape that you're going to make a good bottle of wine versus, you know, chuck. So you, you want to have good quality rice. I don't know a huge amount about the making of sake, but I do know that great, great care is put into every step of the process. What little I've learned of the process comes from actually the book that I showed you and almost got for you at, at random anyway, but there will be other opportunities. Uh, the Drunken Botanist uh, by Amy something or Amy Stewart, because she in this work talks about all the different plants that are used for alcohol making and goes into a little bit about what a sake production is and how it's made. But of course I don't remember any of it and I don't have the book handy. Um, so those who know more about this, feel free to comment or not. Um, what else should I know about sake? That you should drink the entire bottle, ideally within the night, and ideally within the week. After that, it's not good to drink anymore. It will continue to ferment. Okay. Especially as this is unpasteurized sake. Again, unusual. This is not shelf-stable. This is refrigerated only, which is why it was so hard to bring up to body temperature. Um, shelf-stable sake is a lot easier, obviously, because it's room it temperature already. doesn't matter the temperature, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I'm definitely going to have to finish this this week. Oh, the horror. Yes. I know. So terrible, terrible for me. Um, but. Peter, what did you think of it? Um, I like the better warm. Okay. My husband prefers it warmed, which isn't surprising because it gets fruitier the warmer it is. Now that mine in my glass Yeah, it almost cool makes it. me think of two things. Um, the first is actually the Ocotillo wine, which is another bottle that almost made it here, uh, from Triton Winery, which he actually has said multiple times that I he likes to heat up that particular wine like a sake. Except uh, most of my heating of that has not been in a microwave, but in a coffee maker. Because it's what I had at the hotel room at the time when I introduced it to other people. If you absolutely must, you can immerse it in your, immerse your pitcher into a pot of boiling water and hold it there to warm it. We also didn't have any pitchers, and it was also a wine rather than a sake. Okay. But well, I, the, won't, I won't tell the wine monk how to drink wine. I'm, it was also <laughs> what I had, to be fair. I, I was like, the person I was with was in extreme pain. It was supposed to help as a pain thing because of the nature of Ocotillo. 
flowers. It's supposed to be like an anti-inflammatory. Yes, it uh, would be. And so I just heated some up and said, here, drink, <laughs> see if this makes you feel better. And they were like, yes. Yes, it does. Now this is interesting. And now she has lost her supply. <laughs> but uh, the, the floral, nutty, fruity character reminds me of that. Uh, as well as some white wines uh, from the Loire. Uh, there is a little bit of, a, of that nutty minerality in some uh, Loire white wines as well. Um, Poly Fumé and um, Sancerre, especially to me anyway. And so this reminds me a little bit of Sancerre, is the, the TLDR of this segue. It, it does get, to me anyway, less appealing the cooler it gets. So I would, the next time I drink this, warm it to above body temperature. Just keep refilling my kettle and boiling more until I can get it warmed to above body temperature. Or maybe pull my bottle out of the refrigerator 20 minutes or so before I want to warm it just so that I have a more stable temperature to work from because I think that warmer this is going to be better. Now, I don't begrudge anyone who prefers it cold because this is designed to be served either way but I think I prefer it warm. I think even in the summer I would drink this warm which is unusual. I'm a bit of a purist. I usually okay. drink cold sake in the summer warm sake in the winter. Okay. But on that note we should probably close this out uh, and drink shots of holy water. Uh, out of Tsar Nikolai, uh, Tsaritsa Alexandra's, Tsaritsa Alexandra's, um, shot glasses. Yes, we're shotgunning holy water shot glasses because this is how we orthodox roll. Join the church. We have holy water shots. Yeah, come for the baklava. Stay for the actual succession to the apostles and, you know, legitimacy of faith. Amen to that. <laughs> <coughs> Until next time. Wine Monk, signing off. It's still recording. <laughs> Are you going to cut off the part where you say I have to find the button? Yes. Good. Thank God. <laughs> Ta-da.